So we are continuing uh, in our series that we started a few weeks ago in the epistle of 1 John. So if you have your Bible with you, and I hope that you did bring a Bible with you or get out your electronic device so you can follow along. If you don't have don't have a Bible and you raise your hand, one of the ushers will hand you one of our service Bibles. You're certainly welcome to use. It's so important that we know our way around the Word of God. That's a great place to say amen. Amen. <laughs> you might be quizzed on it when you stand before him. <laughs> Ooh. So we're walking. <laughs> this, this epistle you know, is walking in the light of God's word because there's a lot of mention of light and darkness in this, uh, these five chapters of this epistle. And so we're going to be reading in chapter 2 today. We're going to read half of it, or about half of it, and then we'll get, get through the next part of it next week. So let's just pray before we begin. As we open up the Word of God, it's always good to pray and ask yes. God to help us because, Father, we recognize you uh, as our Heavenly Father. And we come before you this morning. Lord, your presence is so wonderful, so sweet in worship. Mm. We do love your presence. <laughs> and so we ask you, Lord, as we open up your Word, that we would... Feel your presence in your word, that you would teach us as we read your word. And as it's written in the Psalms, you know, open our eyes that we would see wondrous things, Lord, here in your law, in your word. And then, Father, I do pray that we would not only see and be hearers of your word, but it's so important, Father, that you say that we become doers of your word, that we would bring you glory in our life and that this is really where the blessing comes in our life as we become doers of your word. Mm -hmm. And so help us to hear you and obey this morning, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So I'm going to start reading in verse 1 of chapter 2. It says, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Go on. And this we know that we've come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, mm. and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Verse 7. Beloved, I'm writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you've heard. At the same time, it's a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him. And in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light. And in him there is no cause of stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Okay, so we're going to stop there and uh, begin to just unpack a little bit of what those verses are about. So just um, 
as a recap, you know, we remember that we said last week that the Apostle John is the one who wrote this letter. He also wrote 2 John and 3 John, very short epistles, and he also authored, he wrote the book of Revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so John intimately knew Jesus. He deeply loved Jesus. He loved Jesus' teachings. Mm. And, and you think about his life, like he was an eyewitness of Jesus. He walked with him. He talked with him. He ate with him. He saw him heal. He saw him raise people from the dead. He saw him die on a cross. And he also saw him and talked with him in his resurrected state. Think about that. 40 days he appeared to the disciples in his resurrected body. And then he also saw him and watched him ascend back into heaven. And so John certainly knew Jesus, he understood what it meant to fellowship with Jesus and to know of the Father through Jesus' teaching. And so at this point when he's writing this letter, he's like, he's an elderly apostle, because this letter was written about 50 years after Jesus had ascended back into mm -hmm. heaven. Uh, and he's a respected apostle, and I'm sure by this time he had led many people to Christ and discipled many people. And so he writes this, when we first read those first words, he writes it's, it's like a loving spiritual father to spiritual children. These are people that he's helped to grow from, you know, babyhood to be birthed into Christ and then grow uh, into salvation. And so he writes like a, 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 in a fatherly tone, my, mm -hmm. my little children. And yet at the same time, we know that when people wrote, they were, the scriptures were inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so John was also writing inspired by our Heavenly Father, who would be saying to you and me, even this morning as we read, because we should read the Word of God as though it's written to us. It is. Yes. The, the Holy Spirit is still speaking to you and me when we open the Bible and we read. So it's very well that the Father indeed would be saying to us this morning, my little children, <laughs> I'm writing or I'm speaking to you. And he's writing this letter in this context. He says that you may not sin. And again, last week, we brought up that John wrote this letter in concern that there were false teachers and heresies that were infiltrating the church and distorting the truth of what the gospel message was really about. And it, one of these main ones was Gnosticism, which was this pursuit of esoteric knowledge to know God. And, and so a Gnostic person really didn't regard sin as all that important. Their thing was this, I say this word, esoteric, mystical knowledge, mm -hmm. that the, the body was just, the flesh would sin, the body was just evil, it was always prone to do what it wanted to do, and so there was no reason to try to actually control it. What you wanted was this other higher knowledge. And so John was writing, no, 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 we cannot take sin casually. I'm writing to you right. that you may not sin, because... He begins to tell us in this epistle that as we sin, if we walk in sin, we're actually walking in darkness. And it also breaks down our fellowship. For sure. Between us and God, because sin and holiness don't <laughs> jive. They don't go together. <laughs> and so when we sin and we just keep walking in sin, we actually do break apart. It creates a rift in our fellowship. 
and our understanding of who God is and what he even wants to do in our life. And of course, we all know that it also creates a rift when we walk in sin with people on this horizontal level. Mm -hmm. We've all experienced that in some way. When we feel like we've sinned maybe against somebody, we've done something, spoke something harsh, you know, whatever it might be that we've sinned against somebody, you can tell in that relationship there's some tension there. You can feel it. And so, and again, this fellowship, we mentioned this last week, was the word koinonia. Don't think of the fellowship of just like chit-chat or you come to church and you chit you know, we, we should chat, and that's good. We should have that kind of social fellowship. Yep. But John is concerned about, and in fact, we're going to take communion later. It's this deeper level of communion in an honesty and a sharing of heart. That's the kind of fellowship that gets broken. And so he's, he's saying that we can do something about that. In 1 John 1, 9, we looked at that last week, that when we do sin... Thank God we don't yes. have to just live in darkness, that God has made a way that if we confess our sin, that he says he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so that opens up that sweet fellowship between the Lord again. And then, and then he may tell us, you know, okay, you did it on this level, you need to kind of do it on this level too, because very right. often, you know, we're sinning this way. We're often sinning, you know, with other people. And so we may have to go clean it up this way, so to speak, and make it right. But he, he's concerned. He writes this epistle, concerned that we need to know what sin is and acknowledge that it can happen, that it, we will sin. None of us are going to be saved and then walk anything out perfectly. We all have understood that already. It doesn't take long <laughs> for a day to go by that we realize, I, it, it's kind of hard to do, yeah. But it does matter this, this epistle tells us it does matter that we recognize it and it greatly matters that we deal with it in our life. Yes. Yeah. The scripture declares that, uh, again, if, if anyone does sin, that we have an advocate yeah, with the Father, yeah, Jesus be. Christ, the righteous. We yeah. have an advocate. Yeah. We have an advocate. You want to turn me down a little bit, Sam? Thanks. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He says, and again, I really like this. It says, my little children. It's like, oh, man. It's almost like you want to kind of snuggle up to him a little better than, you know, my little children. Yes, that's me. If you do sin, he says, to confess your sins. But when you confess your sins, know that you're not standing before God alone. You have the advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. That word advocate is uh, parakletos in the Greek. And it's, it's actually used in a, a, a court setting is really what it is. It actually means defender. Defender. In, in the ancient world, especially in Greece, you know, if someone was accused of something, what would happen is he would stand before the, the judge and what somebody in the crowd would voluntarily step up and take their place besides the accused and start to defend that person. He'd be the person that... Uh, the advocate he would be. He's the defense lawyer, so to speak. And that's what John is talking about right here in this very thing. But it regards the courtroom of heaven. Where God the Father is the judge. 
And every life, every sin is subject to the judgment of God. And we know, according to scripture, the wages of sin is death. And that's not just physical death, but that's eternal death. And the Bible calls that the second death. And the Father is the one himself to try to rescue uh, humanity. He sent Jesus, his son, to, to be the propitiation for our sins. He is the one, the propitiation means that he's, he's the guy that has taken our place and paid our penalty. That's really awesome. And so he is our advocate standing before the Father in the courtroom of heaven. And Satan himself is what the Bible calls is the accuser of the brethren. And so he is running to the fathers into the courtroom of heaven accusing you of anything that you might have done wrong. He's accusing you. Satan is the accuser of the brethren. And he does that all the time, day by day. Amen. <laughs> well, Jesus stands alongside of us. Amen. This is what's so cool. He defends us during that time. He's our advocate. He's our defense lawyer in the, in the eternal courtroom of heaven. Uh, you know, I, he speaks on our behalf. He defends us. And you put yourself in a position that you're in the courtroom of heaven and you're standing on uh, the witness stand. And Satan comes and he's accusing you, pointing you, reading a book of things. And you know what? He knows when you sin. Not all the time because he's not omnipresent. But he has, he's able to accuse you of things that we've actually did. That we actually did. And so what we have to do, we're standing before the Father. We have to admit our sins. Remember what 1 John said? If we confess our sins, yeah, that's it. We don't ignore them. We confess our sins. So we would say, after the devil says, you know, he cussed. You know, he did this. She did that. Bringing it all up. And you're under pressure there because you're standing before a holy God. And you can't lie in there. <laughs> And Satan is accusing you of something that you actually did. And then you have to turn your honor. Father, I admit that I did sin. I did these things. I am guilty of this. I confess my guilt before you. And then what happens? God the Father, the righteous judge... Before he gives sentence, our advocate, Jesus Christ, comes up and stands beside us. And he says, your honor, dad, <laughs> I want to tell you that the death penalty has been paid. And I would like to present some evidence. And he takes his robe down he says I present evidence number one the stripes on my back the blood spilled evidence two I want to show you these hands these nail scarred hands evidence number three 
I'm standing here in a resurrected body. <laughs> we say yes, and the Father, he goes out and he's ready to make a decision. Yeah, and what would the judge say? I mean, because he's your advocate and these things are true, he'd say, well, your advocate has saved you. Yes. You know, I mean, hearing the confession of guilt, yes. you know, and like you were saying, that every sin demands a judgment, and yet he'd say, but your advocate paid the penalty for you in full, so you're innocent. You know, like stamp the gavel down on the bench, you're innocent, go free. Just like Joe does. <laughs> <laughs> and that's good news, isn't it? Hallelujah. So that when I sin, but I think part of this we have to understand is the confession of that sin. Because an advocate will do us no good unless there's a confession of sin on the one side and the advocate says, I took the penalty. Right. Because if it's just silent in that courtroom, guess who's just speaking up? It's the accuser. And so Jesus writes this. He's the propitiation, verse number two. He's the, that means like that, atoning sacrifice. Mm -hmm. He took the sin for our sins and not only for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So God the Father has offered that same forgiveness to everyone in the whole world. But to receive the forgiveness, you you're like, why don't we see the whole world saved then? Well, because someone has to respond. Someone has to say, there's this response. You know, it, it demands some kind of response from us, from our heart. We have to appropriate that blessing. We, yeah, if you want to call it appropriation, I've got to receive it to myself. And I do that by saying, I need forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And then the advocate can step in and say, there, the, the penalty's been paid. There's no need for eternal judgment. That's really good news. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> So Jesus' advocacy doesn't just work after salvation. He's actually advocating for the people in the world. You know, it's the Father who who doesn't want Mm -hmm. one to perish. That's right. But everybody to find everlasting life. And so we're saved. When we are saved, okay, by the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes and recreates us on the inside. We become a new creation in Christ. We mention that scripture a lot in this church. The old has passed away, and all becomes new, and all is of God. But yet yes. you and I look the same. It's like, well, you don't look brand new. Where did that all happen? It happened on the inside of us, in our heart, in our spirit. Yes. We've been given a new nature and a new heart, the brand new heart. And so now God, after salvation, lives in my spirit, and it's God's spirit. It's how I'm working out my salvation it's his spirit that's motivating me to will and right. to do, Scripture says, like of his good pleasure to obey Jesus. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing, because this chapter gets into this. Like if, there, if I say I know him, but then I'm walking in darkness, do I really know him? So if there's no, after we say, maybe say a prayer of salvation, but there, after that there's no desire to follow Christ, there's no desire to fellowship with other believers, there's no desire to pray, there's no desire to read and get to know him in the word of God or to to examine my life and look and I want to walk with him. If there's no desire to say no to old sinful habits, then I have to wonder, did anything happen when I said that prayer? Yeah, come on. I think some, we've said this before, some people are relying on, you know, some... False... 
grace. Yeah, if, if there, we, we must produce some fruit in our life of the person that we are born of. Because within the moment I get saved and God's spirit enters my spirit, mm-hmm. he does begin to will and to work towards his good pleasure. This is how I work out my there. salvation. That's true. I begin the journey of working out my salvation. And if so, we say we know God, there's yeah. going to be evidence in our life that we are, have our lifestyle in Isn't line with his. Yeah. And once again, it's not that you start off perfect. It's, we grow into this. This is why we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. It's not that I'm born again. Now I'm, I've got everything under control. Because we know each one of us, we sin after we get born again. And then we are corrected. We, we should be convicted by the Holy Spirit. And then that brings us to a position where we're confessing our sin. And our advocate stands up and causes us to be called quite innocent. But it's important to remember that John was trying to help the people understand that sin is a danger. We have to understand it's not something, oh, I just can't help it. No, we can help it. And this is what he says in verse 3. Let's take a look at verse 3. It's on the PowerPoint. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. It says, John is just letting us know that if we truly know God, guess what we're going to do? We're going to allow his commandments to progressively grow in us and our lifestyle. Do you know how it is? You you become more knowledgeable of God than you say, man, that was wrong. I didn't even know that that was wrong. You know, when you first came in and you first got saved, you didn't know right from wrong, really. The key is, is that we're growing in this salvation. We're keeping his commandments. You know, it's important for us to go on. It's going to be evidence in our lives that we are following Jesus Christ. Jesus called us, what? The light of the world, the salt of the earth. There should be a big difference between us and the world, and it's really starting to really show, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah, let's look at verse 4. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. This is straightforward, isn't it? Quite. <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is, it's amazing. Uh, and John's inspired by who to write this? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity. God the Father. So this is actually God saying this. It's blunt. It's <laughs> There's no wiggle room in this, folks. There isn't. <laughs> and in today's church, you'd be accused of being too harsh. You're not, you, you know, love, love, love. Well, you know, John has really actually been dubbed the disciple of love. And Pastor Ramey told us earlier that he wrote the Gospel of John. He was with Jesus. He camped out with Jesus. He hung out with Jesus. He was there daily. He, at the Last Supper, had his head against Jesus himself. So let's see what John understood. Let's turn to this. Turn to John chapter 14, the Gospel of John. 
He heard Jesus himself speak about what love is. Jesus defined love. And John is just reiterating it. John chapter 14, and we're going to look at verse 15. It's pretty amazing what's all in this chapter. This is my, the place in my Bible that the paper always falls out. Because I love John 14 through 17. As a matter of fact, Ben's Bible does the same thing. <laughs> pretty cool. Look what he says here. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Who, who said that? Who's being quoted here? Jesus. Jesus is quoting. He's describing what love is. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Look down at verse 21. This is Jesus speaking. He says, he who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me shall be loved by my father. And I will love him and I will disclose myself to him. Look at verse 23. Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him, and we will come and make our abode in him. John is just reiterating what Jesus said. He's saying, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If we, I mean, how many people can say, I love Jesus, I love Jesus, I love Jesus, but yet their lifestyle is nowhere close to the way it should be not walking in the commandments. So, according to that, Jesus will say, you're a liar. Not that you told a lie, but you are a liar. Ouch. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's Being wrong. disobedient to God's commands proves we're liars. So, obedience really is the proof of my love, is yes. what Jesus is saying. Obedience is the proof of my love. It's a living proof. And like you said, I can say all day long, I'm mm -hmm. saved. I said that prayer. I love Jesus. I know Jesus. But my disobedience to follow the commands, there. like you said, proves me a liar according to the scripture. That's strong. We need to think about that, what that means. Because our walk in the end, according to God, in the end, our walk speaks a whole lot louder than our talk. Come on. <laughs> you know, I like this quote from Augustine, early it. church father. This is pretty awesome. Uh, it says, if you believe what you like in the gospel and reject what you don't like, it's not the gospel you believe, but yourself. <laughs> Let's just let that sit there for a moment and read it again. If you believe what you like in the gospel and reject what you don't like, it's not the gospel you believe, but yourself. Yeah. And so we have to be asking ourselves because let's face it, the world does not understand the word sin. I mean, the other day I heard someone say, sin is just a social construct. What is sin? It was like, oh, here we go. Now it's a social construct. I'm just going to make up in my mind. I mean, it goes along with truth is relative, my truth, your truth, your mm -hmm. sin. I, I, people would say, well, then maybe that's your sin. I have no sin. The world would it's say really this is hate be. speech. Yeah. The world would say this is hate speech. The Bible is hate speech. A, well, and that is going to ramp up, folks. So we have to be asking the Lord, 
about sin. Help me to recognize sin. Come on. I don't want to be walking in darkness and think I'm in the light. I don't want to be deceived. These are prayers that are necessary for us considering how much the culture is just pushing in you know, on our kids, on our on young kids, on teenagers, on what is truth, what is, what's acceptable. Because let's face it, to the world, anything now is acceptable. Yep. And the words of God are becoming, you know, more and more narrow, if you will, as we walk with him. It's like, whoa, he said, you I'm a liar? Like you said, you'd be, John, be canceled. Stop, you can't speak anymore. <laughs> like, you can't call people a liar, you know? <laughs> And so when we think about this, I don't want to be believing something. I don't want to be an idolater, which is really what this yes. quote is, is pointing to. That's good word. You know, yeah. you, you're believing yourself. You're, you're making up your own truth, your own way, and that is idolatry. You're kind of adoring yourself. We don't think about idolatry that way, but that, in this day and time, that's a, a lot of how this works out. Yes, but it says whoever then keeps God's word, if we follow his commands and we do our best to keep his word, it says in him truly the love of God is perfected. And that word perfected means it's it's coming to fullness. It's Mm -hmm. it's maturing in us. Doesn't mean you're perfect or we're trying to obey so that God says, oh, you're stamped perfect. We're never going to be perfect. Come on. But as I learn to obey him and, and follow him and, and confess my sin, and he gives me grace to change, you know, my love for him is growing in that because I see how good he is. I keep recognizing Amen. in many ways how sinful I am. Even though I'm born again, I still have to deal with sin. And it's like mm-hmm. he keeps saying, come to me and confess it and I'll cleanse you. And then he pours out his grace for us to change. And in that Hallelujah. relationship, our love grows. We just keep going, God, you're so good. Mm-hmm. You're so merciful. You're so kind. And so obedience doesn't mean when we, sometimes people hear the word obedience, that we are supposed to obey the, the, the commands of God, that you know, we think, depending on how you grew up and how you were disciplined in the home, you know, just, just obey and do as I say. Sometimes People think of obedience that way. But, if it, but that's not how our Heavenly Father speaks to us because there's no love in that relationship. It's just be quiet, obey, do as I say. And when a parent, parents like that, you know, you, you're going to produce a child that maybe will learn through that kind of shouting and overpowering mm-hmm. to be quiet for the moment. But, you know, they might be, so to speak, like quiet and sitting and looking like they're obeying. But on the inside, there's this rising <laughs> defiance like, mm-hmm. no, I'm not going to. <laughs> and why is that? Because Scripture even says the letter of the law kills. Right. But it's the spirit that gives life. So we have to find the spirit of how our Heavenly Father is calling us to obey Him. And eventually, like, if, if, if obedience is just about do as I say, do as I say, but there's no loving heart relationship in this, that relationship slowly falls apart. That's right. I think this is often what happens as kids leave the home. And, you know, if, if, if they haven't felt that loving relationship with the Lord inside the home and how to walk with God and confess their sin to God and receive that, that warm, loving fellowship yes. from their Heavenly Father, then it all just becomes something I did because my mom said to do it, my dad said to do it, I went to church, but we want to be praying that our children cultivate a relationship where this is real Amen. to them. 
Because a child has to first know that you love them deeply, and out of that relationship, then, the, then there comes this desire to obey. Amen? Yes. I mean, so Jesus had said, knew and trusted his father's love, and he delighted to do his father's will. That's awesome. See, it was in that love, yeah. even though obedience could be hard sometimes. And we all know Amen? that. Yes. But when we know that our heavenly father has our best in our heart, he loves us, and obedience is going to produce life, well, then we begin to delight in obedience rather than, mm -hmm. who are you to tell me what to do? And the world has a lot of that in it, doesn't it? <laughs> So if we're truly oh <laughs> born of God's spirit, I mean, like Jesus said, his commandments are not burdensome. Right. And so if we're truly born of God's spirit, there's this desire to obey and please God, you know, out of, not out of performance, but out of love. Out of love. So this is this cultivation of this love relationship. I see why more and more as I walk with God at Ephesians 3, where Paul prays that for the church, and yeah. he says, may... You be rooted deep in love and founded securely on love and know the height and depth and breadth of it. Because when we do feel that love from God, obedience is a whole lot easier. Amen. That's for sure. John says it in a different way. He says, by this we know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Yeah, I think we have that up on PowerPoint. Too, that's, yeah. that's pretty impressive, huh? God is calling us to walk the same way that Jesus walked on the earth. And then, but if we don't even know Jesus' character, we don't know anything about him, uh, how are we going to do that? We're just not going to. And all the while, this is available to all of us right here. You could, everybody has a phone, you could pull it up on the job, you could, you could definitely give yourself time to read and find out who Jesus is. You know, it's, the bar has been raised really high for us. We're covenant people with God. The bar is high. If we say, I'm a follower of Christ, we're going to have to know his character. We're going to have to, what was that thing that was just recent or a while ago? What would Jesus do? Yeah, what would Jesus do? Well, the only way you're going to find out is find out through his word. You know, the world will say, what would Jesus, he would love. And that, what they mean is it's like, you have to accept whatever I do. That's not the love of God. We're understanding this in 1 John. Jesus' character is displayed in, in Matthew chapter 5, where we're looking at the, the Sermon on the Mount. It's called the Beatitudes. And here's what he says. He says, you have heard it said under the law, you should not kill or murder. Here's, here's our bar. Our bar is now higher. But Jesus says, but I say to, ev to you, everyone who continues to be angry with his brother or calls him a fool or idiot is subject to the judgment of hell. Bar's been raised. The Bible does say, be ye angry, but sin not. Okay. But in continued anger is like murder to the Lord. And we'll Have find we ever... that in First John. <laughs> That's a high bar. Yes. It's like, well, I didn't kill anybody. I didn't go out and murder somebody. No, but what he's saying there, yeah, if we just continue to hold on to that 
Let's go a little further. Yeah. Bars begin high. He's, he says, he's talking about adultery. He said, you've heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery in his heart. So if you're watching porn, guess what? You're in sin. This is what it's saying here. It's really it's what he says. Jesus mentions the dangers of, of, of divorce for the wrong reasons. You know, the world is saying, well, irreconcilable differences. You know, it's like, and then he goes an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. What does he say? <laughs> You're supposed to hate your enemies is, is the Old Testament. Hate your enemies. But Jesus says, I want you to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. The bar is high. This, this is, these are not suggestions, are they? No, they're commandments. And the only way we're going to be able to do this is to ask the Holy Spirit to give us the strength. And when we fail, what does 1 John say? 1 John says we confess our sins and we have the advocate. <laughs> he paid the penalty for these sins. And we want to hear that gavel come down and say, innocent. <laughs> so when we finish out this chapter, this portion of the chapter, verses 9, 10, and 11, um, just to reiterate re what that says, it says, whoever says he's in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. So now we can see, like, if you think about John as an apostle listening to the Sermon on the Mount, he heard uh -huh. what Jesus said about, you know, in the Old Covenant, because the Pharisees thought they were perfect. Right. He said, you know, oh yeah, you've heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And so they were happy with that. We can hate our enemy. But then he turns it, flips it on its head. But I say, love your enemy. And pray for those who persecute you. So this is why in John, he, he says, whoever says he's in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there's no cause for stumbling. So this thing about hatred, which there's a lot of in the world, we need to really take heed to in our own heart. We cannot hold on to hatred yeah. of people and people groups. Or people, anger. People that are enemies even against Christ. You yes. know, we've got to learn to pray for our enemy. This is what Jesus tells us to do. This is what he did. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And I'm not saying this is easy. It's hard. But, we, but we're bombarded every day in the news with like, and it's coming closer and closer, this hatred of Christianity, hatred of followers of Christ. That's right. You know, they want to throw this book out of, the, out of libraries because they say, well, there's too, too much lewd and sexuality in it. So if you're going to throw out these other books, let's throw that book out too. You say, keep is, reading it, and you'll find out yeah. the truth. <laughs> so we have to pay attention to how we deal with this anger in our heart. Mm -hmm. Verse 11, but whoever hates his brother is in darkness. Have you ever thought about that? Then I'm walking in levels of darkness when I hold on to this kind of hatred. And I don't know where I'm going. Mm. I want to know where I'm going. <laughs> Come on. I want to be walking down a straight path, not a crooked path, because the darkness has blinded his eyes. And so thank God we have the word, Amen. which gives us light. Like when we read this, his word is light. So when we read it, it will offer light to us, to our heart. And it's meant to. I mean, the whole goal of our salvation, we have to remember what the goal of our salvation is, which is to be 
become more and more conformed into the image right. of Christ. The goal of our salvation isn't for Jesus to give you everything you want in your life. Come on and, now, preach You know, it. make everything just pleasurable and bless, bless, bless. And blessings will come into our life. But the reality is in Romans, it says that we are predestined to be conformed to his image. And the only way he can do that is if he begins to show us ways in places where you're disobedient. He does it to all of us. Yes. Some of us has just gotten a little bit more used to it. <laughs> you just get used to it because you realize he's going to correct me. And, the, and the, the more that I go, yes, Lord. You're right. <laughs> you're right. Forgive me. The it's, better it goes, the quicker the turnaround happens. Yeah, the, the, come on. the better, the quicker you get on the path and you're walking in the light. Amen. It takes some time to, you know, we all resist, resist. I want to do it my way. But he's saying, I'm, my, the whole purpose for our life is to be conformed to his image. Walk as he walked. Yeah. And I say again, like Pastor Steve was saying, walk as Jesus walked. That's a high bar. But he's given us grace to do it. Grace is the power of grace God. Grace is the power of God to help us to change. Amen. And so my obedience, little by little, I mean, these are little steps. He doesn't just dump everything out on us all at once. Here's all the ways you need to change. Boy, we'd kill ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> what? But, you know, you have to know that if you hear something, when you come to church and you hear the truth taught, mm -hmm. and the Holy Spirit starts to whisper and convict you about something in your life, there's a choice right there to, to ask God, help me to change. Yep, I want to change. Give me grace yes. to change. Yeah. If you just resist it and resist it, he'll let you after a while walk in the darkness that you want to walk in. I mean, that's a scary thought. That's this is part one. of, yeah, where, you know, you, your conscience becomes more and more seared and you don't recognize what you're doing. And then thank God you have people around you, though. You could come into a church and somebody might begin to speak something into your life saying, hey, I, this is going to take you down a wrong path. Mm -hmm. We need to have ears to hear and realize the Lord is actually talking to me through this person. Right. He's helping me to get on the path so that I could walk with him and have fellowship with him. So that our character is really what it's all about yes. in our walk with God. You know, thank God when we miss the mark, you know, it's not just a matter of, because that's really what that word sin means, to miss the mark. And the mark is really to be conformed to his image. But we don't just go, oh yeah, sorry. I mean, <laughs> I mean, sorry is a good start. <laughs> yes, you need to but say that. You do need to say that. But, but, some, but, but the Lord would say, because he's done this with me, sorry for what? Yes. What is it that you did that you sinned in and then you want forgiveness for and you want to break free from that habit in that way because if it's always just sorry i'm sorry we're never really going to learn what he's saying I, you need to like let go of that pattern in your life and so we, we learn to sin not sin like he's saying don't sin mm -hmm. it makes it a whole lot easier and it's thank god he says i'm faithful and just to forgive you of your sin Hallelujah. cleanse you from all Hallelujah. unrighteousness one and of the biggest problems with man is that we can rationalize our sin. Absolutely, you, you can, we can rationalize You can give it. reasons why you did it, and you were just and right to do it. Rationalization is dangerous. <laughs> Very dangerous. This is why truth 
Come <laughs> he on. goes back to truth. Yes. Thank God we have truth, which cuts through you know, the rational, intellectual mm -hmm. mind. Come on. And shows us how to stay on the path with Jesus. So, so how do you know you're a Christian? You know, when you read this, this first John, how does the Lord know that our profession of our faith, save me, Lord, is real? Well, if we say that we know him according <laughs> to this, these verses, then there's fruit that comes in our life. Yes. Our obedience eventually produces fruit. Our life changes at some point. I just yes. said, this is progressive. This is not instant. But the fruit of knowing him begins to show in our life. That fellowship be becomes evident in how I live. Amen. And isn't that what we want? Amen. So yeah. we're going we're gonna, to um, close the service out by taking communion together, which I, we think this is really... Communion, Good. the word communion actually is derived from the word koinonia. And that's the kind of relationship God wants with us. It's an intimate relationship. It's, it's like, uh, I'm open to anything that you say, Lord. That type of relationship. Communing with him. And we're taking communion today. And the key is this communion is for believers only. But we want to give you an opportunity to become one. <laughs> we want you to come up. And we want you to come to the place where, yes, if you, especially today, if you recognize some things that maybe, you know, you were, maybe you've come to the church here. Maybe you've been a Christian all your life, but you recognize that I was a Christian in name only. The key is, you have an opportunity right now to give your life and surrender it to Jesus Christ himself. I think something may have changed today for you. A new reality has dawned on your heart. Reality of truth. If that's you, I want, every, I want everybody to say this prayer. Jesus... Jesus. That's right. Jesus, today, today, I'm making a conscious decision. I make a conscious decision to surrender my life to you. Surrender my life to you. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of my sin. And make me a new creation. Make me a new creation. Help me to follow you and live for you. Help me to follow and live for you. All the days of my life. All the days of my life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. Okay, so we're going to have two tables here. Um, well, they we just... do have some, we have bread and wafers for uh, whichever one you would choose on that. Do we have one on each side and some juice? Okay. And so if, if you would come down, if you're partaking of communion with us, just come down the middle and go back the sides. You can just come on and do that now. And then once everybody has the elements in their hand, don't partake until we're all ready together. And then we will take communion together. Yes.
have been only the scripture that before we take communion we are to search our hearts we're to examine our hearts yes and we so need that we partake yes. communion in a worthy manner is what scripture tells us and so what is a worthy manner well that we examine our heart for sin is, is really what that scripture is telling us so the the one who keeps god's word is it says is the one who grows up in his love and, and we need obedience. to examine how, yeah. how are we doing. How are we doing in that? I mean, just search your heart. Just You could bow your head. How are, you, how are you growing? Are you growing in love, obedience to Christ? Becoming more like him. And, and another question is, do you, have, do you have a desire to know him? Yeah. To re, read the word because that's how he reveals himself. Something we cannot overlook is, is do, do we repent and ask for God to forgive us when we do sin? And then for that matter, what's your attitude towards sin? Does sin trouble me? Yeah, come on. Is there anything, ask yourself, is there anything hindering my fellowship with my Heavenly Father? Heavenly Father, is there anything, ask Him that in a personal way, is there anything in my life that is hindering my fellowship with you? Am I walking in darkness and don't even realize it? Help me, Lord. Yes, help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. We want to be honest with you. And then, and if whatever, if anything comes to mind, confess it yes. to him right now. Tell him, I, I admit your sin. Confess it. Turn your back on it. Ask Turn him for grace to it. change. Yes. Because this bread... You know, this bread that we hold or this wafer that we hold represents what he did for us on the cross in order to take the penalty for our sin, mm -hmm. take it away. By the stripes you took on your back, Jesus, we can be saved and healed. Yes. And so we remember what you did for us and we eat this bread. Yes. You can partake of the bread. Then he took the cup at the supper and he says, this is the blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of our sins. For the forgiveness of our sins. We thank you, Jesus, that as we confess our sin to you, you're faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We thank you that you 
stamp our life innocent, clean before you. So we partake, Lord, of your blood and remember that you're coming again. Yes. Worship you, Jesus. Let's all stand. We're going to just sing this last song before we close out. for your sacrifice to him who sits on the throne sing to him who sits on the throne and unto the lamb the worthy lamb to him who sits on the throne and unto the lamb sing it then sing it again to him who sits on the throne and unto the Lamb. To him who sits on the throne and unto the Lamb. Be blessing and glory and honor Sits on.